Let's pray together as we continue to thank God and worship Him through the hearing of His Word. Father in heaven, what a beautiful thing to remember you. And in our remembrance of you, to remember how weak we are, how broken we are, and yet how you run to save us. You would run to leave the 99 to get the one. And how you restore us to yourself, that we are no longer enemies, but we are friends, and we can now eat fellowship with you as we will do today, even as we take of communion. Lord, I do pray for our, our children as they go out to Children's Church again, and um, as we continue to start up family ministries, Lord, that you would be just in and amongst those programs that your word would spend this morning, Lord. And I pray now as we open up your word to hear what you would have us learn and have our hearts open up to and have our feet readied for action. I pray that your spirit would move among us. You would give me words to speak. May everything that is true in my words sink in. And all that is false be forgotten. To your glory and in your name, amen. So, who has ever been stressed? <laughs> Anyone? A few of you are being honest. Okay. <laughs> Stress is a normal part of life, right? And have you ever been now to a de-stress fair or a distress event? Not a dis distress, distress, but de-stress event. Grove City, they have had one in the past during exam time. And basically, it's a place for you to pet some petting zoo animals, to play some games, to have somebody to talk to, to get some refreshing beverages um, and some good snacks, a way to de-stress. <laughs> but one of my favorite parts of one of those events that I went to was they were giving out these sledgehammers, <laughs> and they had some old cars, <laughs> one plus two equals de-stress. <laughs> you would go and you would get that sledgehammer and you'd get three whacks at the old car to <laughs> let go of the stress. <laughs> There's something pretty helpful and therapeutic about breaking things sometimes, <laughs> about smashing them. I was with the Club 252 today, uh, yesterday, nothing was broken, but I did give them pool noodles, and they absolutely loved just smashing the ground with them or smashing each other with them. They really enjoyed smashing <laughs> the pool noodles. And you think of, like, the Hulk. The Hulk loves to smash, that's his thing. He loves to smash, and he feels that joy. And I wondered, why do we really enjoy smashing things? Why is it somewhat therapeutic to go up to that car and kind of sledgehammer it? And I thought, maybe it's because on the inside, we are broken. 
On the inside, we feel a little smashed up. And the inside, we feel hurt. And maybe we want something else <laughs> to at least reflect that. <laughs> so we get outstressed sometimes by doing that. And what I love about the Bible is that it is very honest about our condition as humanity. It doesn't just say, well, you know, he was a, a bad, he did some bad things, but he was a really good guy. He didn't mean to do that. His pressure, you know, you know, Bible says you're born in sin. You're dead in your trespasses and sin. Or we are progressing as society. Is that true? <laughs> or is there nothing new under the sun, according to scripture? Um, and then we have Romans 8.22 that says this, that all of creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth. So we have a beautiful creation out there, but it too is broken and hurting, just maybe like the inside of us. And our brokenness is not like the type where somebody, the reason why it happened is somebody took a sledgehammer to it and broke it. You could argue that. It's more like when I was putting together my Legos this weekend, which I was, was doing, <laughs> and we were putting together those Lego sets, and it reminded me of when I was a child, and I put together this beautiful Lego Star Wars thing, and my mom came in and was cleaning <laughs> all over the ground. <laughs> and I wept <laughs> because that was my creation. So when humans have fell into sin, it wasn't like Jesus was taking the sledgehammer out on it. <laughs> think more he was weeping. In Genesis 6, it says that the Lord was sorry that he made man on earth, that it grieved him. It grieved him to his heart. That's the reality of the brokenness that we all see. And this morning we're going to look at three different aspects of that brokenness and then the way that healing comes through something that we do every once in a while at church called communion, the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Wow, this is going to be fun. Because <laughs> I know as I say Lord's Supper and communion, there are already flags going up in your head of different backgrounds and different churches and ways different people talk about things. But let me just say this, that the things that are most sacred in this world are probably the things that are most fought about. And so the fact that there's a lot of fighting going on about the Lord's Supper amongst churches probably tells us there's something really important going on here. So we are going to look at 1 Corinthians 11 and see those levels of brokenness and where the Lord's Supper comes into those. 1 Corinthians 11, you turn there in your Bibles to the right in the New Testament, to the left of Revelation 1 Corinthians 11, verses 17 to 34. This is God's word through the Apostle Paul. 
to the church in Corinth. Or it says, in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worst. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Whew. And that is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. And when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment about the other things. I will give direction when I come. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Father, this is a complex passage, and there's some hard things in there. But I pray, Lord, that your love for your church and your bride would be manifest. As we dig into this passage together, may our hearts be filled as we remember the ways that you enter our brokenness. In your name, amen. I realized as I was reading that, that you know, Pastor Rick is going through Acts on Seize the Day, and it seems like Pastor Matthew is going through controversies in the early church from the last time I preached. <laughs> but that was not my, necessarily my intention. But as we look at this passage and we see Paul making another big deal, we've got to ask, like, what, what is the big deal? <laughs> Why is communion and this little wafer and grape juice that we drink, why is, why is Paul making a big deal about it? I can see that easily for anyone who is new to the faith asking that question. Even in my heart, I often think, well, the sermon's kind of the pinnacle of the church service, and, you know, Lord's, Cup or we, Cup, Lord's Supper, we do that every once in a while as an extra added feature, you know? So what's the big deal? And um, a guy named Leonard Vanderzee writes a great book on this. He says, he puts this question, what do I get in the sacrament that I do not get in the word alone? Why is there even the sacrament? That's our question. Why? Why, are we, why would we do this every once in a while? What's the big deal? Why does Paul go on about this for so long in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians? And the first point I would say to that, 
And as we look at this first level of brokenness, which would be the level of the brokenness in the universe as a whole, all of creation groans, right? If we need to need some help, (laughs) we need to do a little activity together. Because I'm a youth and family pastor, it always starts out with an activity, right? So think in your mind, or if you have a piece of paper, draw out a little Venn diagram. If you don't know what a Venn diagram is, it's two circles that overlap like this, okay? And so think in your mind, one circle here, another circle here. Draw it out if you need to. Get on your phone, doodle it. And label one circle in your mind, physical. And the other one, label spiritual. Now, which, what would you put under physical? The things that you do every week that are pretty physical activities. What do you think? Work? Walking? Eat? Sleep? Eat? Oh, get, get paid? Get paid? Bathe. Oh, get bathed. Yes. Exactly. Clean. All that stuff. Thank you. <laughs> um, all of that. Exercise. Any number of things. Washing the dishes. Playing a TikTok video. Playing video games. Yeah. Anything you can put in that category. Think about that. Now, let's think about that other circle. The spiritual. What would you put in that circle? <laughs> Maybe not quite. Maybe more on the physical side. <laughs> what, would, what would you do in your everyday week that might be on the spiritual? Prayer, Bible study, God, hanging out with God, fasting, thank you. Listening to Caleb, there we go. All these things. We've got devotional times, we have small groups, meditation, giving of our time and talents, those type of things. Now, there is a tension we feel in our lives because at a church, you go to church and you're reminded all the more about the spiritual things. But then throughout your week, you're mainly doing the physical things. Yeah, there's that tension there. But here's the thing. I suggest to you that that split was never meant to happen. That we, as people, live in that overlap of the Venn diagram. We are physical creatures. We are spiritual creatures. And it's not bad (laughs) that we are. In fact, it's so not bad that we are that it says later on in 1 Corinthians that we will indeed in the new heavens and new earth be given new bodies, bodies, physical bodies, (laughs) so that we will continue in all of eternity to be both physical and spiritual people. So we live in the overlap. Now, where do we put the Lord's Supper? We're talking about the Lord's Supper today, 1 Corinthians 11. Does it go in the physical because it's eating and drinking? Does it go in the spiritual because it's a connection with God? Yeah? 
goes in the overlap. If you look in our passage in 1 Corinthians 11, it says a lot of things, has some very physical languages there of eating and drinking in verses 23 through 26. There's um, talking about eating and drinking, and you can imagine a scene of teeth grinding and lip smacking, maybe some burping going on, you know, because that's how they show appreciation in that society. Their dirty fingers as they dig into this meal together. It's a very physical act. But then when Jesus says, this is my body, you know that's not a, a physical statement because Jesus was standing there when he said it. <laughs> There's no magic tricks going on there. We learn later in the book that Jesus has a body in heaven as we speak. <laughs> So there is, when the Lord's Supper happens, there's no physical element that is the body and blood of Christ. And I like the way that the Westminster Confession of Faith puts it, maybe a little wordy, and I'll uh, unpack it for you, but it says that worthy receivers who physically partake of the visible substance do them by faith and in fact, but not physically or bodily, but spiritually receive and feed on Christ. There's physical nourishment, there's spiritual nourishment together in here. It's a more common way of saying it by a guy named Leonard Vanderzee. A quote, he says that the sacrament offers us something that the word cannot. And that is exactly fitted by God to our human need. The Lord's Supper is a handle that faith grabs hold of, allowing us to grasp God's promises with our bodies as well as our minds together. <laughs> That's the beauty of the Lord's Supper is that it is in the overlap with us, meant to spiritually and physically nourish us. And my encouragement to you, since that God has given that us that provision in the brokenness of this, the universe that splits between physical and spiritual is to remember the God-man, the God-man Jesus, who is the maker of the stars, but also became enwrapped in flesh for you, who came to die to bring about, as Colossians says, the reconciliation of heaven and earth, the bringing back together of those two realities. So, and what, what would that look like for you if you remembered that's where you're going? What if everything you thought of as merely physical was wrapped in the fruit of the spirit, spiritual love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, what if everything you thought as merely spiritual was wrapped in the physicality of movement, kneeling, can I say dancing? <laughs> hmm? Maybe that's the type of uh, movement that this supper provides for us and supplements for us. That was a little philosophical, I will admit. That's, but that was our first point of how the Lord's Supper enters that brokenness of the whole universe being split between heaven and earth, but will someday be reconciled. 
and the Lord's Supper provides for that. But then there's the second, <laughs> the second brokenness, and that is within our church, within the body. Look to your left, look to your right. At Grove City College, they say your future mate is now in sight. Yeah. That's what Grove City College does when you're a freshman, do you? But I met my wife outside of Grove City, so it could still happen the other way, you know? But look around you. The brokenness that we see is not just out there in creation. It's here. It's in the, the people around us. It's in the way that we interact with each other. If we look in 1 Corinthians verse, chapter 11, this is a lot about social interaction. It's about people who have been left out of a meal. It's about a people uh, who have been judged by another people as um, less worthy to partake of this supper. It's about a people who may have been uh, late to the meal because they were of a different social economic status. Because if you're working hard in that day, you would work till the end of the day and the church service would start earlier and the people who had to work all day would get to the meal later. It's about neglecting those people. And I wonder if in our circles and in the circles that you grew up in, the, that emphasis has been lost a little bit. Because when I grew up, in, and I grew up in a PCA, a Presbyterian church, is there was a lot of focus on me when I took the Lord's Supper. There was a lot of emphasis on, let me examine myself so that I will not eat judgment on myself. <laughs> so there was a lot of introspection, and there was a lot of inward focus. <laughs> but if you notice in this passage, there was a lot that Paul uses the word come together five times in these verses. The emphasis is on the community coming together, what is happening in the church when it gathers. And the situation could be, like we said, that some would come late and there would be no um, regard for them. There would be no welcoming of those who are new. There would be leftovers for those um, who were not able to make it to the meal. So, for example, you know, Jeff Gordon has this amazing breakfast that we have on Sunday morning. Well, let's just say that all the on-time, put-together, let's um, have our lives straight and organized, come to that meal on time, get all the best food, and we run out of food because we all, we all enjoy Jeff's amazing cooking and the cooking of his staff. But then there, there were the people who maybe forgot a little bit and were notified later or um, didn't quite have their lives as much together as some other people, and they came in, they got in leftovers. That's kind of what the situation was like here in Corinthians. Or imagine this. What about the leftovers of church fellowship? 
where we just happen to sit next to the same people every week. And then there are all sorts of ways that we could give leftovers to those we don't know and those who we don't uh, tend to associate with as much. And so Paul says to this church as a collective whole to examine yourselves, plural, to see whether you will eat and drink judgment on yourselves. Because if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. And the, the answer there is then, what do we do? How does the Lord's Supper enter into that? Into that brokenness that could come? And that is coming through that word, remember, in the chapter, where Jesus says, remember me. In that society, the word remember was not just, oh, let me think, I'm back to Jesus. The word remember was an action word. <laughs> it went, relive Jesus. <laughs> Be Jesus. Remember Jesus by acting like him as a body. Think about different personalities that different families take on. You go over to somebody's house and um, you automatically know kind of a little bit how the parents are when how by how their kids are behaving. <laughs> you know, and you get to talk and see the whole family dynamic work out as a family, right? Um, are the kids just sitting down at the supper table, like ready to eat, everything's organized, everything's ready? Or is the place a madhouse where kids are running around going, having fun? You can tell a little bit about the parenting styles of each one, right? In the same way, how, do, how does the way that we interact as a church reflect who Jesus is? How does the way that we welcome people reflect how Jesus welcomes people? If the church is known as being divided, as being cliquish or bickering, what will people think about Jesus? That is the type of question that Paul gets this church to wrestle with and why he says, remember Jesus. Live Jesus in your lives as the body of believers. So when Paul says to consider the body, the body is not you. The body is the body. Consider the body when we take communion. Think about who have I done wrong? Who have I been unwelcoming to? Who have I bickered with this week? We are a messed up family. <laughs> but welcome to the messed up family because the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit welcome sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors to their meal. That is the hope that we have in the brokenness of our social interactions. So then there's my third and final area of brokenness that the Lord's Supper kind of enters into, and that's the brokenness within myself. It still deals with that. I'm not going to neglect it because there are some personal verbs in the text. Because the Lord's Supper is a, is a big deal. If we go back to the question, why is the Lord's Supper a big deal? 
Well, it's the bringing together of the physical and spiritual, right? We learned that. It brings this one family together, one messy family together. We learned that. And finally, it's a big deal because now I am having table fellowship with my Savior, which is a big deal. <laughs> In that ancient time, meals were a sign of fellowship a sign of bringing together two different parties. So, for example, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Mephibosheth. Oh, let's say that name together, shall we? Mephibosheth. <laughs> eh? Mephibosheth? Oh, what a weird name. I love that guy. But Mephibosheth was the son of... Anyone know? Jonathan. He was the descendant of Saul who was an enemy of King David. And when David comes into the throne and he settles his affairs, he, you expect the ancient kings to go around to every enemy and start executing them off the chopping block. And I don't want any more enemies on that. And then we get to this guy named Mephibosheth. <laughs> and David says... Bring him here. And you think, oh boy, there's going to be some judgment tonight with Mephibosheth, the heir of left of Saul, the enemy of David. But here's what we read in that story. David says to Mephibosheth these words, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. And I'm going to restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. And listen to this. You shall eat at my table always. <laughs> That's why the Lord's Supper is remarkable. Because you and I were enemies with the king. And yet God brings us to himself. He calls us in and instead of chopping us off, he says, do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your elder brother Jesus. And I will restore to you all that Satan has robbed from you. And you shall eat at my table always. You see that? The Lord's Supper is our table of reconciliation between us and our King. The price has been paid, and the seat at the table has been fought for by another, and you're welcome to it. So here's my final point of encouragement to you. I don't know about you, but sometimes I look around as we take of the Lord's Supper, and it looks a little bit less of a celebration of the Lord's Supper, and a little bit more like a funeral service. <laughs> Heads down, eye contact with others is kind of avoided. But our Savior's not dead. <laughs> our Savior's not dead, he is alive. And I don't know about you, if I'm discerning the body of Christ, I'm looking around. I'm seeing the beautiful faces that God has brought together to feast with him here at this table. This is not a table of sorrow. It's a table of joy. So enjoy the company, <laughs> enjoy the meal, 
and look forward to that one day when heaven and earth will be reconciled and we'll be able to eat this feast with our risen Savior and new heavens and new earth. Let's pray together.